the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Hi, good morning. Uh, my name's Lizzie. Um, I am a primary school teacher for much of my week. I work in Columpton, which you'll notice is not on the map. If you were having that problem on the map, um, I've put my dot at the top of the M5, so you could do something similar um, to put your place of work on the map. And we can think, be thinking about all the front lines that we've all got around the city, but beyond as well. Three days a week, that's where I am. And um, the rest of my time, I spend with my family much of the time. It's pretty good. Has to be said, many of my front lines are quite noisy, with a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and a bunch of five, six, uh, year five, six to teach. So this morning, we're going to be thinking about how we can offer the daily tasks of our hands to the Lord. And as we think round this, please don't forget everything we learned last year, just before Christmas, when we were reading Galatians. Remember we learned that Jesus plus anything is nothing. It's all about Jesus. This is not about what you can do to make God love you more. This is about what you might do in thankfulness for God's love. So we're thinking about the daily tasks of our hands and how we can offer them to the Lord. And for daily tasks, I'm using this for shorthand, rather than every time saying your paid work, your unpaid work, your hobbies, your DIY, the things you do to relax, your gardening, and anything you do, parenting, caring, to fill your day. Because that's not very snappy. So I'd like you to start uh, this morning by imagining your tasks for tomorrow. So... I'd like you to think what's going to happen. Now, I had a shot at this last Monday morning. So, this is what I did by quarter past ten last Monday morning. Prayed in bed because I woke up three minutes before the children. Got my children dressed, made breakfast, gave them medication, did a lateral flow test, ate my breakfast, helped them eat theirs, packed a school bag to spend a long time discussing library books, um, put the washing on, put the dishwasher on, brushed three sets of teeth, sent an email attaching the resource my colleagues needed for that day that I'd forgotten to give them the previous week. Um, then I did an online, oh, took a child to school, did an online workout, had a shower, picked up some medication from the pharmacy, prayed with someone at toddlers, played at toddlers, and talked about Alpha at toddlers. I think disregarding a few tasks I had last Monday morning. But I'd like you to think, what are you going to be doing tomorrow morning? What are the daily tasks of your hands going to be tomorrow? Now, I'm expecting to see a few hurried notes as you remember something you urgently need to do tomorrow as you think through your day. Now... Hold those tasks, those thoughts, those things you're going to be doing in your mind. And as we read today's passage, we're going to think how this passage speaks into the tasks that we're going to be doing tomorrow. So we're going to Colossians, we're going to chapter 3 and verse 15. Um, I'm going to put it on the screen if I can remember to change the slide at the right time. Maybe you guys can help me. Um, We're going to um, read Colossians chapter 3 starting at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom 
through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. We've jumped in halfway through the book of Colossians here, um, but at the start of the book, Paul is laying out very clearly that we're saved by grace, not by our works, not by the things we do. And that everything is about Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to a community um, with very different social conditions to that of 2022 in Exeter. However, the principles that flow out of this passage are still applicable. We're going to really focus on verses 17 and 23 today. And if you're still looking at the passage, you'll notice that they are very, very similar in what they say. Um, A commentary I read on this by a guy called Carson says, verse 17 is primarily a general summary of the preceding verses. But ultimately, its basis is the... It's the main basis of the epistle, namely the preeminence of Christ. His sovereignty embraces every aspect of life, not the so-called sacred, but also the secular. When we think about living out a life of faith, we are saved by grace and committed to Jesus as Lord. Paul is explaining here what it means to be this redeemed community. Obviously, He can't give us a set of rules to live by. That would be contrary to the gospel. No, instead, he is proposing values and characteristics which are consistent with the idea of the gospel being God's gift. And notice how important thankfulness for that is. So, there are my tasks for tomorrow. You'll notice even including playing basketball with an alpaca and a two-year-old. What does the gospel say for the daily tasks in our actual real-world lives that we're going to be doing tomorrow? Hold them in your mind. See what God's saying. Firstly, whatever you do. There is potential kingdom significance in everything you are doing. Paul says in verse 17, whatever you do. Certainly, that word whatever has been somewhat spoilt recently. It is used, even by me, to Chris, incorrectly. We use it as a kind of rebuke, a a challenge to, um, let me get my words in the right order. They're like, whatever, and you go, it's a sort of uh, a rebuke, a response to a rebuke or a challenge simultaneously conveying 
aloofness and casual rebellion. But this misses the meaning of whatever. It includes absolutely everything you're doing. It's worth considering who Paul is speaking to when he uses this whatever you do. He says it twice in this passage, but in verse 23, you'll see that he's speaking to slaves, household servants who have become Christians. They would have had very, very little control over their lives, and lots of the tasks they would have had to do might have been really disgusting, really ghastly. But Paul wants them to see that they can serve God by expressing their commitment to Jesus even in those tasks. Living in a global pandemic has allowed many of us to see differently and recognize the importance of some roles in society that were previously under-recognized, whether it's domestics in the hospital, lorry drivers and shelf stackers in the supermarkets, or people bringing you food in a restaurant. You make a significant impact on me and the life I want to live. And this is the right significance of each person. But whatever I do places an even bigger offer on everything that every single one of us is doing. Obviously, though, there are some tasks that you shouldn't be doing in the first place. You can't offer them to King Jesus because you shouldn't be doing them. Don't go and commit a murder tomorrow morning and say, oh, it's fine because whatever I do, I can do it in the name of Jesus. Lizzie said so yesterday. That's not okay. It will make no sense to me, no sense to anyone else, and no sense to God. Now, hopefully, as I've ambled around this idea of whatever you do, you're thinking and wondering about the tasks that are waiting for you tomorrow. How can they be offered to the Lord? Firstly, see them as potentially significant to the Lord. He wants all of your life. It's easy to see the significance in the part of my life where I was talking about Alpha last Monday morning. And yet, there is significance in my choice to do a Joe Wicks workout before I go about my day. There's significance in the moment of my life when I spend it playing with my daughter, when I tidy up. The, just everything and everything and everything, whatever I do, is significant to God. And be on the lookout for where you have created that divide in your life between the sacred part that's about Jesus and the secular bit which is not. This passage says that's nonsense. Look out for where you've created it and challenge that in your own thinking. So whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus. Doing something in someone else's name is like being their ambassador or their representative. There is clearly a sense of seeking to live a life worthy of Jesus in this, and it means a reliance on Jesus. This, in my life, raises a simple question. And maybe you'll be able to think of how it raises this question in your life. How do I teach children to subtract fractions in a non-denominational primary school in the name of Jesus? Well, and 
Don't for a moment think I'm giving you rules about how to do this. No, I'm trying to show you how the values of the gospel might be seen in my classroom. So, I'm sure that teaching fractions in the name of Jesus means acknowledging silently and in my heart, because that's all that's appropriate to do in my classroom, that Jesus is Lord over all. Being thankful for being in that place. It means being well prepared for that task so I can do the job well. It means letting God make me patient and kind because teaching fractions is definitely a topic which requires patience and kindness. And as I let God work in me, I bear witness to him and serve those around me. So, this question's actually about 10 days ago now. And a funny and a wonderful thing happened because I'd started my sermon preparation. Firstly, and quite weirdly, we had a really good time learning fractions. There was like a happy buzz in the classroom. Then, on the Friday, I worked with a child who'd never got a, a year six SATS arithmetic fra fractions question right ever before. And I saw her pride as she was able to answer every single fractions question on the SATS paper that week. And then, as I drove home, I was thinking about teaching fractions, and I was thinking about the only reason that the fact that you could actually subtract fractions at all was because we live in this amazing world made by this amazing God who's pieced everything together. And for a moment, I think I maybe saw that you could teach children to subtract fractions in the name of Jesus, and it could be quite a profound moment in your life. Not everyone's a primary school teacher, and fortunately for most of you, you don't have to try and teach children to t subtract fractions. So I asked some folk in my home group, what do you think it means to do your job in the name of Jesus? How would your tasks look different or look the same if you were doing them in the name of Jesus? They reckoned that letting Jesus influence the tone of their emails was important. Their choice not to sit and moan with their colleagues to interact with the cleaners and not to ignore them. To walk their dog and smile at those they saw each day. To stand in the queue at the end of the day, picking up their children from school, expectant to listen to the other mums and dads and grannies in the queue. My class did not get to the end of the fractions lesson and declare, Wow, amazing! What must I do to be saved, Mrs. Playford? <laughs> no, but the work was done in the name of Jesus, and the work was significant to God, and that's kind of cool. As I've thought around this in the last couple of weeks, I've really wondered if there are perhaps some daily tasks which get some of my time that perhaps I would not be doing if I was remembering that I was Jesus' representative and that I was doing things in his name. When I look at the daily tasks in my hands, there was one that stood out. It seems like I spend quite a bit of my time staring at my phone.
In fact, to the point that my phone on a Sunday morning likes to tell me how much of my week I have spent staring at it. Now, without a doubt, there is time using my phone where I am doing things in the name of Jesus and building God's kingdom. Replying to emails about Alpha, yes. Texting my home group people, yes. Ringing my family, yes. Arranging to meet up with a lonely friend, yes. But if I was doing this task in the name of Jesus all the time, there are times when I'm going to choose to put my phone down. As advised by my home group, we were talking about swimming lessons. Sit on the side of the swimming pool for half an hour each week, watching your child swim across the swimming pool, dodging the water splashes coming out the pool. Folk in my home group commented that swimming is a time when lots of people will chat. So I tried an experiment. I left my phone in the bag and talked to the other mums on the side of the swimming pool. Do you know, we had a great time. We had a conversation with each other, and that was great. And it was lovely to be able to encourage another mum about how much her son had obviously learned in swimming, because I've watched him swimming every week since September. It was great to speak truth and kindness into her life and to hear about things that are going on. A different choice, because I was thinking about doing it in the name of Jesus. Do it with all your heart. When you do it with all your heart, I think you will be governed by what is in your heart. So if your heart is full of thankfulness to God for all that he has done in Jesus, then that will pour out of you in the tasks that you are doing. Paul points out to the slaves that ultimately all their work was being done for the Lord, not for their earthly masters. I actually find it totally extraordinary when I remember that putting up a display in school, my absolute least favourite part of my job, is ultimately work done for the Lord, not just for my boss. Not just the next thing on the list. Paul tells the slaves that whatever they are doing, in the name, um, to do it in the name of Jesus with all their hearts. Now, this moment in this talk has a huge danger sign. Doing it with all of your hearts can be heard as an instruction to make you um, do things to earn God's favour. But as we know, you can't earn God's favour, it's a gift. So beware and be looking for where you've started thinking about how you're doing it with all your heart to make God like you more. On Friday night, striving back down the M5 from Columpton, and I was thinking about my sermon and this part, and I was talking to myself in the car, because if you have two small children, the car is a nice, quiet place to think things through. And as I was talking to myself, I heard myself say, I can't do it. I can't serve you, God, with all my heart. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then as I heard myself articulate that, I realized my life is a life of obedience because I am thankful to God, not to make God like me. 
It is thanksgiving for all Jesus has done. And my desire to do it with all my heart needs to come from thankfulness, not from duty. For me, and I suspect for many of us, this is going to be an ongoing battle. To live serving Christ in thanks, not because we feel we must to make him like us. So, let's take a mundane task that many of you might be doing this week. Walking your dog. Firstly, this task fits into the category of whatever you are doing. It's something that you are going to be doing. Now, you could do this task in the name of Jesus with all of your heart. And if you were doing that, you might find yourself prompted to walk the dog a different route or to stop and look at something or, well, it seems completely absurd that God could take a dog walk and use it. But it's not. And I know this for sure because it happened to me. About four and a half years ago, we moved to Exeter. We knew no one. And with a one-year-old for company for most of the day and no job to go to, it was quite often a bit lonely. So... Sam and I went to Belmont Park one day, and we were playing in the park. Someone from church was walking their dog. And they were walking around Belmont Park, and they spotted us and shouted on us and stopped and talked over the fence of Belmont Park for us, with us for five minutes, and headed off on their dog walk. And in that moment, I knew that God had met me there, I knew that God had ministered to me in my loneliness and encouraged me, built me up, that I was part of a church family and that they were going to get me through the tough days. The dog walk might have seemed insignificant and yet it was used profoundly to encourage and build me up. One final thought. This story I was telling you at the beginning when I was listing all the stuff I did last Monday morning. I told you that I did some praying at toddlers last Monday morning. I prayed with someone. That wasn't me praying for someone else. That was me asking someone else to pray for me. In my school at the moment, we're back in bubbles. We're not allowed to talk to any other members of staff, really. We're meant to stay really far apart in our own classrooms all day. It's pretty lonely, and it's quite a hard gig sometimes. But I know that there can be kingdom significance in the work of our hands. And I asked my friends to pray for me in that. In the work of your hands, there might be kingdom significance. And that doesn't mean there won't be times when it isn't very hard, very lonely, or very sad. And I want to remind you that we as a church family will walk alongside you as you bear witness to God through the times that are tough, whether that's at your paid work, in your caring work, in your parenting. Please ask someone to pray with you. So I'll ask you to think about the tasks you're doing tomorrow and to think about this passage. So take a moment. How can we offer the daily work of our hands to God?